Hi listeners of Illusion. Before we start the podcast today, we have an important disclaimer. A major theme of the episode is the consumption of alcohol. Throughout the episode, we try a selection of unofficial nightmare-related beers from the good folk over at Neon Raptor Brewing Company, and as such, we do get a little tipsy. We understand that audio depictions of drunkenness can be triggering for some people, so if you foresee this being an issue, then we strongly advise you to skip this episode. It's important to keep in mind that everyone reacts to alcohol differently and that excessive use can have a severe impact on one's health, judgment and other areas of life. We advise you to know your limits, drink sensibly and never drink and drive. The experiences and viewpoints of alcohol discussed in this episode should not be considered a substitute for expert advice. Please get advice from a healthcare professional or a certified professional if you have concerns about your drinking behaviour or the drinking behaviour of your loved ones. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Hey there, listeners of Illusion. We want to do a special episode about what Nightmare means to the fans. With that in mind, we decided to put together a competition. All you have to do to be in with a chance of winning is to send us a voice recording telling us some of your fondest memories of the show and what it means to you. You can either send your recordings by email to podcast at nightmarepod.co.uk using the subject Nightmare Memories, or you can send us a voice message through our Spotify page. Please note that whilst we'll accept recordings of any length by email, Spotify voice messages are limited to one minute long. We'll pick our favourites and play them on the podcast and one entry chosen at random will win the grand prize. A complete set of the official Nightmare Choose Your Own Adventure books by Dave Morris, including the very rare Lord Fears Domain, a physical copy of Peter Palsford's unofficial book Nightmare Live, The File of Freedom, a book containing copies of the first nine issues of the Eye Shield, thanks to Paul McIntosh for granting us permission, the Nightmare Live Handbook, a limited edition book given only to backers of the original Nightmare Live Kickstarter campaign. And to top it off, we'll be sending you a signed photo of Nightmare actress Natasha Pope. The closing date for the competition is August the 31st. Any entries received after that will not be eligible to win, but may still be used in the podcast. Please be aware that the Dave Morris books have been sourced from various second-hand sellers, and whilst they're all complete, there's a certain amount of wear and tear. Quite frankly, the fact we managed to get the copy of Lord Fizz Domain that didn't already have the puzzles filled in is nothing short of amazing. We look forward to hearing from you, and good luck! Welcome listeners of Illusion to Temporal Discussion, the episode-by-episode Nightmare Retrospective podcast. I'm Martin Harder, and I take an extra large. And I'm Martin O'Doney, and I take all of Mr H's claims of a very large pinch of salt. And our very special guest today is Tom Ainsley from Neon Raptor Brewing, who have released their own unofficial Nightmare-inspired beers, which will be taste-testing throughout the episode. So this could be interesting. You'll enjoy the bits when I'm doing it, because I don't like beer. That's okay. I'm not sure I do either anymore. Welcome aboard, Thomas. Thank you. Thomas, can you tell us a bit about the brewery? Well, Neon Raptor began as a brewery idea between two Scottish guys from our both childhood friends who went to university and also went to work at Rolls-Royce together, and then 
the partnership broke up and there was a gap for some other people to join in. So uh, me and another guy called Josh, we already had a beer bar in Derby and we invested a bunch of time and what little money we had and to build in a brewery with the same name and one of the original founders. And this was sort of 2017. We finally got the kit and everything built up in centre of Nottingham and released our first official beers from that site in early 2018 and so yeah that's five years at that site but we had brewed on other people's kit for a bit before and I must say before we start I'm not a brewer I do all the kind of boring other stuff that has to go along with making sure people don't die and uh, (laughs) either by drinking the beer or in the process of making it well I'm 41 now so I grew up in the sort of nightmare time and maybe a bit young for it but obviously uh, enjoyed I've got an older brother he would watch it and uh, yeah retro things is what we do with our beer names and some of our styles and a lot of the artwork so was it your idea to do beers based on nightmare then it was my idea because i think i'm the only person that knows the show people know the sidestep to your left clip without necessarily knowing anything else about it well that's how things go viral i guess isn't it we needed beers and we knew we were doing a I don't want to spoil anything, but we knew we were doing a beer with a funny colour and we thought it would link into this completely unaffiliated trio of beers. But yeah, one of them isn't a normal beer colour. Looking forward to that one. I do love the designs on the cans. So today we're looking at Series 4, Episode 6, which was originally broadcast on Friday, October the 12th, 1990. The number one single at the time was Maria McKee's Show Me Heaven from the soundtrack of the Tom Cruise film Days of Thunder. We talked about this before, didn't we? Yeah, I've had a chance to listen to it properly now. Um, It's definitely one of those songs you hear all all the time on the radio and definitely in commercials yeah um, but you can never quite identify it it's actually quite a nice song i think i think mckee's got quite a versatile voice uh, veering between deep and smoky tones and slightly shrill power chords i think she could do a power ballad yeah the video was very much of its time you know you've got all those clips of the singer apparently performing in a grainy 80s us tv format in an empty house yeah. and lots of boring montages of moments from the movie which uh, really dates it very badly mm. now um, but the song, yeah, I actually rather like it. Does anyone really remember Days of Thunder very much? Remember I've what? Never seen it. Not <laughs> <laughs> me either. Because it was basically, I think what they were trying to do was Top Gun with cars, weren't they? I think we're going to have to concede to you on that. The Disney Renaissance began in earnest this week. It's topping the box office was The Little Mermaid, written and directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. The songs by Musker and Howard Ashman. The film features the voices of Jodie Benson, Renee... Oh, I don't, I cannot pronounce this. Renee... Uh, guard from deep space nine okay yeah him uh pat carroll and christopher daniel barnes for over 50 years walt disney has turned classic stories into classic animated motion pictures now the tradition continues as one of the world's greatest stories becomes the newest disney motion picture classic the little mermaid i want to be where the people are. I wanna see, wanna see them dancing. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. It's the story of Ariel, a beautiful young mermaid who wants to become human. He's very handsome, isn't he? I don't know, he looks kind of hairy and slobbery to me. Not that one, the other one. And she'll strike a bargain with a powerful sea witch. Have we got a deal? To make her dream come true. What I want from you is... Your voice. My voice? You've got it, sweet cake. Ariel's been turned into a human. Have you lost your senses completely? The human world, it's a mess. Now, the Little Mermaid is exploring the mysteries of her strange new world. What's your name? What's wrong? You can't speak? 
But to regain her voice, the sea witch's spell must be broken. Move it! We got an emergency here! Broken by the kiss of true love. Kiss the girl. It's Walt Disney Pictures' 28th full-length animated motion picture, featuring dozens of delightful new Disney characters and seven magical new songs. This holiday season, share the wonder and magic of a very special entertainment event. A fantastic adventure above the waves and under the sea. Under the sea! Under the sea! Walt Disney Pictures, The Little Mermaid. The film wasn't as initially expected to make much money as then Disney Studios chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg denounced it as a girls' film, but it went on to become Disney's most profitable animated film up to that point. Alienating 100% of your audience. You put the boys off because they think it's only for girls, and you put the girls off because you sound so contemptuous of them. How on earth did it become so profitable? As we record this, they're about to release a live-action remake with its own controversies. I'm very much looking forward to missing it. I've not even seen the animated one. Not because it was a girls' film, I just didn't really watch Disney films. So you won't be going to see the live-action remake then? If I turn on Netflix next year and it just shows up... Oh, it'll be on Disney, mm. won't it? It'll be yeah. on Disney+, Plus, not Netflix. It will. Anyway, it will. if it shows up, I might just end up pressing play. Yeah. If I'm hungover on a Sunday, it might just be on. Temporal Discussion. Temporal Discussion. Bringing you the latest news from 1990. A little earlier in the month, on October the 8th, Israeli police killed 17 Palestinians near the Dome of the Rock Mosque on the Temple Mount. Over 100 others were seriously wounded, and the killings were considered to be part of the Israeli-Palestinian conflicts. Despite being Jewish, uh, I do get quite a lot of abuse from a lot of Zionists online from some of my opinions on this, so I won't go into too much detail here, but I will say that events like these, in which dozens of Palestinians and hardly any Israelis are killed, are always being misreported in the Western media, and especially on the BBC, as clashes. Uh, the deaths are always being reported in the passive voice to calm the tone of them. So you say, dozens of Palestinians were killed during clashes with Israeli Defence Force, and not Israeli forces attacked and massacred dozens of Palestinians, you know, that sort of thing. Also on October the 8th, the first McDonald's restaurant in mainland China opened in Shenzhen. Since 1979, Shenzhen has been a special economic zone, meaning that the business and trade laws are different from those in the rest of the country. So anyway, that was the week that was. And now, time turns. The recording light burns. Time out has gone. The podcast is on. Greetings, time travellers. It's good of you to phase with us. For we've a team upon the path, an adventure on the brew. I need a reminder. Yes, so do I. Pickle, the book of the quest and the story so far, if you've a moment. Of course. Team in quest, why, Karina, Emma and Catherine. Their dungeoneer is Nicky and their home is St Albans. Hmm, promising enough by looks, but too soon to judge by action. But it's actions we need, so time to restart the greater game of luck and glory. 
as Trey Gardner Pickle have already reintroduced us to the team, there's not really much to say about it. They've literally only about 10 seconds into their quest. It's, it's probably the best time to introduce ourselves to the first beer of the episode. Trey Gardner does mention that the adventure is on the brew. So I think that's a good feed for us as well. Very good. This is a sidestep to your left moment. So Tom, would you like to tell us a little about sidestep to your left? Yeah, we're known for making quite strong IPAs, touching sort of 8% and things like that. So with the weather being a bit warmer than it has been, we thought, no, we want people sat in pub gardens drinking something they can actually have more than half of, basically. So this is a 5.5% hazy New England style IPA. It's not weak, weak, but it's um, it's certainly weaker than uh, 8%. So the sidestep to your left, it's named after one of the classic moments. And without giving too much away about this episode, you do notice how often they just give the wrong basic direction. Yes, this is true. I do remember thinking uh, last night as I was reading through this, there may be an even better moment a couple of scenes later. So let's try this one, but no, let's <laughs> right, go yeah. for it. Let's, let's go for it. <laughs> We've used sort of old school Chinook hops for a bit of pininess and then Citra, which is now a bona fide classic American hop with sort of citrusy uh, overtones and then Sabro which is quite a modern art which should give coconutty vibes so with this it's quite a soft easy drinking New England American style IPA I guess lots of tropical fruit beach party drinks yeah, sounds like why yeah. not <laughs> yeah I can definitely taste the coconut yeah I'm not the hugest Sabro hop fan but it does work well with other hops oh I can really taste the citrus as well yeah, yeah, yeah. really strong grapefruity flavour Mm. Yeah, the yeah, grapefruit, I think, is one of the main vibes of this one. I'm not supposed to have grapefruit. There's no grapefruit <laughs> in it. Don't worry about that. There's, oh, okay. There's no, yeah, it's all the classic ingredients in this one. Don't you worry about this one. It's actually not bad, that. Even I'm not a beer lover at all. It's, uh, yeah. The beer isn't that mm. dominant. So, yeah, actually, actually yeah, I'll, I'll give that one a thumbs up. Yeah, that's really good. I can't give it a 10 out of 10 because I, I can't claim to love it because it's, it's mm. still beer. But I'll give that one a 7 because actually, I'm actually quite impressed with that. It's, it's actually quite, it's definitely somewhere away from a regular beer flavour. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 7 out of 10, I'll give that one. I think I would go one up on that and give it 8 out of 10. You're more of a beer fan. Yeah. Going from the West Country, I've got soda running through my Yeah, veins, that's but, fair. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed by that. It's not bad at all. So how does it work? Do you come up with the name first and then do a beer based around that? or um, With these ones, we knew we wanted to do some TV-themed beers, but we also knew we wanted to do a silly coloured one. We release two or three beers a week, either ones that we brew all the time, our core range, or we do some specials. We had three one-offs coming out at the same time, so why not theme them together? And why not make it Nightmare? Game on! Nikki, you're in a room. Um, there's a big... Uh, looks like a bottomless pit underneath you and you're in a sort of small bridge to a circle which is turning um, and there's two uh, sort of small bridges going across from that leading to doorways. We knows this place, Master. It's the place of choice. Mm, quite so, Pickle, quite so. Now listen, team. By following the path with your predecessors, we have already discovered that there are pronounced changes in this phase of the dungeon. Be warned that very little is as it was before. The quest you choose here will select a path for you to follow. So choose now. The quest to redeem the crowning glory or to find the cup that heals. Oh, the crown. It must be the crown. Silence, you silly sprite. <laughs> Ignore him, team, and make your choice for it's yours, not his. With the helmet on your head, but you go for the cup of the crown instead of the sword of the shield, because there's nothing in between. Oh, hey, that you're a dumpy lump, but what boss will get cause you harm? If you slip by the disc, you'll end up in the ravine at the place of choice. 
at the place of choice. The place of choice. At the place of choice. As we established at the end of the last episode, they are just arriving in the place of choice when the bell went. So this is really the start of their quest. Come on, yeah. Yes. Should I tell them to record? Yes. We've actually got an advisor asking for directions on how to give directions, <laughs> which is, I think, is a first, even on mm. Nightmare. Um, we then follow up with a cry of, oh, God, when they miss the correct ledge to walk onto, yeah. which mm. forged shadows a certain team in season eight rather, <laughs> rather loudly. The team decide to go for the crown. Nicky sort of stumbles onto the wheel and off again, but no injuries compared with the previous couple of teams. Oh, God, oh, we have to go around again. <laughs> um, can you see any paths, Nicky? Yeah. Well... Choose this one coming up now. Very good. Walk forward. Walk forward. Where am I? Nikki, you're sort of like on a bridge. You're in front of a castle. There's walls either side of you, and there looks like a drawbridge in front of you. And it's turned into a face. Ah, yes. These are just some of the spellbound creatures you'll have to get used to. As opposed to the Wailing Wall, what we have here is a weeping door. Her name is Doris, by the way, but what else? Truth will open her, and that's the only key that works. We now arrive in the door monster chamber, as usual. Is it a court rather than a chamber, would you say? I guess so, yeah. Doris um, is the uh, manifestation that will appear in the door. As usual, Pickle pleads to be allowed to give the team the calling, and as usual, Traegard agrees, and as usual, the door says everything word for word the same as it did in the first quest of the season. Upon instruction, Nikki calls out. Okay. True and false, false and true, open up and let us through. Oh dear, oh dear, I hear, I hear. A garnet is a jewel, true or false? And it's true. I wonder what an elf is, though. Is that an alien life form? Truth accepted. Um, millipedes have a thousand legs. True or false? And they said true, which was a bit naive, wasn't it? Falsehood. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of legs. But they potentially learnt what Millie was yeah. in French, I guess. It's the right principle. That is where it comes from. But um, it's just not true. It would be an astonishing coincidence if millipedes did have a thousand legs, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> counting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's, this is the thing. To the best of my knowledge, no one has ever seen a millipede that has a thousand legs or anywhere near that many. Average is between 40 and 400 pairs of legs. 400 pairs of legs? Well, you could say that's sort of close. 800 legs. There is a um, species of Californian millipede that's almost extinct now, um, where the females can have up to 750 pairs of legs. The Portuguese man of war is a sort of fish. True or false? Once again, this, the series is actually cocked up here. Yeah. They say true, and the door monster says yes, that's fine. But it isn't, is it, Mr. H? It's closely connected to jellyfish, but they're not fish. They are siphonophores, which is a family that also includes coral and hydroids. They're not just a singular organism as well. 
could they have not just said the Portuguese man of war lives underwater or something more vague? Because a Portuguese man of war could be a beetle or it could be a bird. It could it could be many things. Personally, I was under the impression they were gastropods, but they're not gastropods either, no. They sound terrifying, anyway. Well, their tentacles can grow between 30 and 100 foot long, so that's kind of proper eldritch horror type stuff. Plus, also, I'm not sure if it's true with the Man of War, but there are some species of um, jellyfish that are technically immortal. They don't die of old age, they just keep regenerating. They don't even die when you slice them up. The pieces all move back together in exactly the same arrangement they were before you sliced it up, and they fuse and it becomes one creature again. They're absolutely astonishing. Uh, two is the score, which grants the team passage. The drawbridge lowers, and Nikki ventures forward. Well, the way ahead seems clear, but don't be caught off guard, team. Keep walking. Faster, if you want. Where am I? Nikki, you're in a room. Um, the room's got one door, and um, in the middle of the room, there's an uh, old man sitting at a table, like a wizard or something, writing. Mm. Caution, team. This warlock is Hordris the Confuser. In your terms, he's neither good nor bad, which means he may prove an ally or an enemy. Sit down, please, when we'll be with you in a moment. We're back in the already familiar Ice Shield room again. Hordris is back at the desk this time, apparently doing his taxes or something. Nikki is guided to the stool in front of him, and she sits down. Again, there is absolutely no variation at this point. You could almost set your watch by this. It's so repetitive. If upon the path towards the object which you desire, you should encounter the object which I desire, you may merely redeem it for mutual benefit. One asks no more and offers no less. Well now, do we have a bargain? Yes or no? Say yes? No. Why not? Say yes. 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 Excellent. Hordris' offer is only mutual benefit. He says he offers no less. No less than what? <laughs> These teams aren't very good at driving a hard bargain, are they? After a brief discussion, the team agreed to Hordris' proposition. He is keen to get his hands on the Dagger of Darkness and instructs Nicky to call him three times by his calling name. Malefact. There's something desperately missing from these three girls. They're very likable young ladies, don't get me wrong, but there's definitely something missing here. So they maybe don't know each other. That's possible. Yeah. Or don't know each other as well as they thought they did. It could be that. They're not really clicking. They're just saying yes or no, and there's no discussion going on whatsoever. I sometimes wonder if that actually happened, if maybe like someone didn't turn up on the day, so they brought in like one of the production assistants' kids or something. In return, he offers the use of the eye shield, and unfortunately the team agreed take it this leads us to the conclusion that we're probably going to need another drink this is probably my favorite um can design this one it's spell casting but it's actually got the life force clock yeah on it. you always need a bit of life force clock on your nightmare yeah devices, i think so but let's be honest i really like the color shading here um it's got candles around it you can see a portal in the background it's shaded red so you actually get the red of the life force clock actually coloring the skull as well so it looks actually more convincing than the one that was used in the tv series uh, i must qualify at this point our designer hasn't seen the show she's younger than us but uh, yeah a fair amount of research in uh just yeah drawing some so that's a hand-drawn uh skull as well so this is the one we've called a potion sour so it is a sour beer quite gently tart really this is the one that pours a funny color it is a bit potion like all right so okay when you open the can expect something unexpected from a beer can i guess oh wow it will pour blue and then settle a sort of a green blue color 
That is, I mean, it's bright blue. Yeah, it's very, very vivid. Another thing I'm very impressed about with these is um, the heads, when you pour them, is very, very enduring. This is almost like a Guinness in terms of the head. You're right, it pours a very bright blue, but it's now settled into a sort of dark green. I think that's just the way the light works. I think if you pour a small portion, it'll stay blue. But yeah, it's um, meant to taste like a blue slushy, basically. Mm. I can taste that. Definitely tastes unlike any beer that I've ever tasted. <laughs> it's technically beer. Um, we brewed it and everything. This is the big moment for me. I'm just uh, letting the head go down a little bit and then I'm going to give it a try as well. I'm going to get my wife to try this one. Bear with me a moment. Live mm. on the podcast. Mm, that's interesting, that one. It's done pretty well because people want to take photos of it and put it on Instagram yeah. or whatever. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is my oh, wife, Kim. Here we go. Hello, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Hiya. That is interesting. It's an unusual looking. taste. Yeah, I like this one. It's sour rather than bitter, which is a very big help. Very, it's almost got a lemony that quality. That is interesting. There, there's, yeah. there is lemon in it. So lemon, obviously, naturally sour anyway. I know a couple of people I'd recommend that to. And it's also very thirst quenching. Yeah. Mm. This is a real thirst quencher, this one. This is really... the perfect for a summer party at the beach yeah i was gonna say that it's definitely a summer drink oh i'm impressed nine out of ten. Nine out of ten amazing that's from somebody who doesn't like beer i'm impressed no that is very nice mm. although i guess if you're a cider drinker anyway you're used to sort of a different flavor the lemon is closer to the apple yeah i am massively impressed i'm ju- no, i'm not making this up i'm not just being polite here everybody at home this is actually really good stuff there we go i am re- massively impressed by this one <laughs> i'm not as keen on it as i was the first one that's fair Fair enough. I'm a big fan of novelty value as well, so that kind of helps. Yeah, I, I yeah, nine out of ten, definitely. I, I actually really genuinely like that. Yeah, it's got good aftertaste to it. It does. Yeah, it's definitely a slower drink than the last one. I think. Very impressed so far. It takes a lot to get me to like a beer. So, because we've had quite good feedback on this one, we'll probably do more beers that we're going to call potion sours. So, what's the blurb on this one? It says a uh, sour potion brewed by a goblin apothecary. It's fruity, colourful. Yeah, definitely colourful and crucial to your quest. Each sip takes you further from the comfort of your living room and into the Dungeon Master's Nightmare. Spelt with a K, obviously. But again, not affiliated. <laughs> uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Inspired. Well, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that from that one, to be honest. Quite genuinely, my pleasure. I was slightly daunted by the thought of it being green, but no, it's, it's very, very good. I like it. I just I don't like it as much as the previous one, so I, I'm going to go with a seven. It's still a very good score, though. Yeah. Yeah. I just also want to point out we're not being sponsored for this. We have paid for these beers out of our own money. So. Now hold the eye shield up across your okay. chest, Nicky. Okay. It may take some time to make best use of its powers. For it to work best, it must get used to its wearer. Sees, look! Indeed it does. Right. Nicky, we're looking through the eye. It looks like you're in a sort of forest. There's a path in front of you. Um, it's the forest of Dun, Master. They must keep to the path or... Um, stop. Walk forward. Looks like it's not a dungeoneer we need here, Master. Looks like we could do with a forester. Yes, yes. Pickle is right, team. You'll need to find your way back into the greater dungeon. Going into a forest. Hang on. Lots of trees. It's probably somewhere below this forest. In the meantime, you must follow the elf paths. Even though the elves have gone, their paths remain. If you know where to look, I can assure you it's the only safe way. Mmm, that's right. And I wouldn't call them safe, really. 
Eisenwitz, that's what we need. So at least it's a different video um, at the start of the uh, Forest of Dunn this time. Is it? Yeah, it's less crowded in here um, and you can actually see under the trees rather than the heavy foliage you normally get at this point. At least there's something slightly different there. But as you pointed out in the uh, script that I'm not supposed to mention, uh, these passive paths are a bit boring. It's almost a bit fiery, isn't it? There's a bit of a burn to it. There is. Uh, I'm not surprised because it's got quite a bit of lemon in it. Yeah. My goodness, you can certainly taste it. They will fight back as you try to swallow it. We don't recommend chugging any of our beers, but certainly not this one. Yeah, it's definitely a slow drink. That's a goblin hunting party. Get a move on or Nicky's going to become someone's supper. Hurry up, Nicky. Hurry up. (laughs) A goblin hunting horn sounds as the passive path reaches its end. And Nicky walks into a clearing. Brother Mace is here, seated at a tree stump, sharing his lunch with a sinister-looking hooded figure. Well met indeed. Come, come, sit you down. Dine with us, young stranger. Mm, sit you down. Just there, just there. Well met. Ah, a little bread, perhaps, to refresh you from your journey. Well met indeed. My name is Brother Mace. And you are? Nicola Cook. Nicola Cook. Strange, evocative name. Uh, yes, my friend here is, uh, well, he doesn't speak very much, and uh, anyway, I only met him five minutes ago. Uh, we shall call him Brother Silence. <laughs> Perhaps he's a Trappist. <laughs> Before we go, forward, I love this scene. I, do I just too. think it's so ridiculous and funny. Everything about it, I love. It's the cheesiest crap ever. But it's brilliant. I think it's entirely down to Michael Kewell. One of the great things about it all the way through is the way Michael Kewell keeps on massively overpronouncing brother <laughs> silence. <laughs> Does he say Trappist as well at some point? Mm. Trappist monks make beer as well, so it's just a further nod to this. Brother Mace says that his dining companion doesn't speak much. He refers to the figure who is rather ominously cleaning his very, very, very long dagger <laughs> as brother silence. Almost suggestively long dagger, I there saying mm. now mace is clearly nowhere near as dumb as he's putting on here and asks silence if he's ever heard of the ancient order of assassins silence shakes his head you can tell the actor has to really exaggerate the movement so that the hood <laughs> that's over his face can turn enough the phrase silence shakes his head sounds very pratitian doesn't it it does a bit doesn't it mace presses on asking if it is true that assassins were dark clothes and carry excessively long knives. (laughs) Silence shakes his head again. Although since he's apparently never heard of them, I'm not sure how he knows. (laughs) He's a coarse, isn't he? (laughs) A meek is pretty bad. Not half he didn't. Pray, good brother Silence, pass me that cloth. Would you be so good? Ah, thank you. Now, watch very carefully. Oh, you can't, can you? Watch very carefully, and I will show you how to make a silencer. Mace takes the large bone from the meat he's eating and wraps it up in a cloth. Oh, look, goblins! The assassin looks in the direction Mace is pointing, and then Mace uses the improvised club on the would-be dispatcher by supposedly smacking him across the back of the head with the bone that he's cushioned. He also completely misses by, I reckon, Eight inches, putting only the very pointy part right at the top of the assassin's hood. After a good second or two, the assassin realises he's been knocked out, or the actor pretending to be an assassin realises he's been knocked out, and finally goes down. About as convincing as a red shirt being shot at by an Imperial Stormtrooper. Yeah, it wasn't a convincing um, 
wallop with the uh, cushioned bone, was it? This was about as convincing as one of Kirk's fight scenes in Star Trek. It's still hilarious, though, and I love it. There's a strangely streetwise cunning about hmm. this monk. I sometimes wonder whether he really is one, and that's... If you think about it, that casts a certain scene in season five when he's asked to prove his identity in a very different light. Are we convinced that he really is a monk? Because he sure as hell don't act like one. Oh, oh, did you see? You didn't hear a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I must warn you, you're my young friend. Never sit down to lunch with an assassin who is liable to have you for supper. Now, I think you had better come along and quickly with me, because unless I'm very much Go mistaken, those are goblins over there. Quickly, over this way. I think I must leave you now, young Nicola. I can see that you have business in the forest, and it's uh, none of mine. Uh, I shouldn't worry about the goblins. Uh, they'll be well enough busy with uh, our friend Brother Silence, the backstepper. Ah, Felicio mi dulcissime. That's Latin, you know. Mm. Okay, Nicky, um, you're still in uh, the forest. So you're in another part. There's a big tree to the side of you and there looks like a sort of small seat to the bottom of you. I love the bit when I hear Mage mentioning, that's Latin, you know. I'm half, <laughs> I'm half expecting Kenneth Williams and Hugh Paddock to walk into handbags mm. over their shoulders and say, I'm Julian, this is my friend Sandy. <laughs> Despite only having fed her life force in the previous chamber, the team agreed that the fish should be knapsacked. Also on the table are a gold bar, a talisman and a bottle marked small. Before they can do anything else, though. Broughton Fen, beware, for this is Oakley's Glen. Oh, silence, you silly sprite. Caution, team, I think you're going to have to look to your wits here. Stand still, little thief. Well, do as you're told for now, Nicky. This is Oakley, and as you can imagine, he's very old, very wise, and very strong. He can also get very angry. Clumsy feet or closed minds, we will not abide them. Bark and trunk we will not. Test you we will, and test you now. Crush you we will if you fail. Tregard says you've got to look to your wits here, team. Hmm. They're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got more questions. So, uh, Mr Ainsley, if you please. You don't have to do the accent if you don't want to. I will not do the accent, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, it's good, because yeah. I'd probably be offended. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> good. Yeah. My part of the yeah, world. definitely shouldn't, then. He's um, never really offended, don't nah, Not really, really. Which metal is pink when you dig it up? and then turns red before turning green. They knew this one right away, didn't they? Yeah, mm. yeah, it's quite yeah. impressive. Fair play, yeah. they knew. Copper is pink when it's dug up. The red colour is caused by copper oxide forming on the metal when it comes in contact with oxygen, and the copper oxide continues to react with carbon dioxide and water in the air, and it begins to turn green. But that's after a while, it just... It kind of resembles this beer. What are you even putting in these things, uh, Thomas? We've used the complicated process of adding... Copper. ...food colouring. <laughs> <laughs> Made of copper, yeah, we get it. Yeah, right. copper food. <laughs> we went fully safe with these. Yeah. So uh, the second riddle. Yes, uh, their father was a god, their mother was a human, and their stepmother was a wolf. They founded an empire. Who were they? Rather sad, and that they passed on this one. I thought this was actually quite an easy one. We released two beers at the same time called I Am Romulus and I Am Remus. It was four years ago, so it was quite a long time ago, but we uh, we released two almost exactly the same beers at the same time. 
with those names. So we knew the answer, but uh, these 11-year-olds from St. Albans didn't know. Tell us about the myth, Mr. H. Romulus and Remus were two figures of Roman mythology, and the myth states that they were born to the Vestal Virgin, Rhea Silvia. Rhea Silvia was the daughter of the former king Numitor. Their father was said to be the god Mars, from whom the name Martin is actually derived. The jealous king Amulet saw them as a threat to his rule, and so ordered for them to be killed. Instead, they were abandoned on the bank of the river, where they were saved by the river god Tyburn... Ty... Tyburnius. Tiburnius. As adults, they learned of their past and joined forces with their grandfather in order to restore him to the throne. Amulius was killed and Numitor ruled in his place. The twins then set out to build their own city, but disagreed about which hill to begin building on. When Romulus claimed divine approval, Remus insulted his new city and was killed by Romulus. Romulus then went on to found the city of Rome, where he ruled as king for many years. I just got the feeling there's a slight problem of um, overreaction impulses uh, there from Romulus. He's actually a twin brother and you've done so much together. You're going to kill him just for saying something slightly off colour. They didn't actually answer that one. I hope they get this one right then. What is the proper name for a noisy ghost? Poltergeist! They got that one pretty swiftly as well, didn't they? They have their moments. It's another one of those teams where you're sort of going from two extremes, crossing over quite rapidly. But again, no discussion. Yeah, they're not really a team, are they? No. But they get it right. So two is the score, and Oakley is almost pleased. How about that? He tells the team that Small will let them use a path that others may not follow, but they must be quick. Okay, Nikki, the face in the tree's now gone. Um, can we have a look at that table again, please? Yeah, there's, um, like, a white thing with a cork in it. It's got small on it. <laughs> small? small. Yes. Take it. Take it, but don't put it in your bag. OK. Um, what other things go. are there? There's, like, a gold oh, box. Are we only allowed to take two things? Two things? Yes. Oh, and we've already taken the bird. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't okay. count. That doesn't count. OK, what other things are there, Nikki? There's, like, the black circle I was explaining, and there's, like, a golden box. Golden box. It's probably got something in it. Can, we, it can you have a look in the box, see if it opens? Okay. No, it's, um, it's, it's, um. It's a bar of gold. gold, by the look of it. It's a bar of gold. Do you think we should take the gold? Should we take that and the, um, white? Yeah. Um, yes. I reckon take the, bottle. the small I think so. bottle is what you have to take to go. Yes. We'll definitely path. take the bottle, um, and it. The gold? Yeah. We'll take the gold as well. Okay, um, can you turn round, please, um, to your right? Keep on turning till I say stop. Stop. Right, now can you sidestep to your right, please, till I say stop? I should hold up the eye shield to see if that works. Can you hold up the eye shield, please? That's yes, it. Yes, that's it. Oh, that seems to be the way out. Oh, you can see it. Yes. Um, just carry on. The eye shield is showing us around. You're going through the forest and we can see a big shack. Ah, yes. Now listen, team. These are the remains of Dungarth, once a proud palace of men and a sanctuary from the predators of the forest. The way into level two apparently lies hidden here, but it won't be easy to find and it's unlikely to be unguarded. Nikki arrives in the glass in a grassy area. <laughs> Nikki arrives in the grassy area. Nikki, what are you doing there? Okay, so for listeners, Martin No just held up his glass and started talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> there she is. Uh, she got 
office are you small so early? Mickey and Rise in a grassy area. You've made it now that I have to keep that in because I can't stop giggling. <laughs> it's, it's, Mickey it's Rise just a, a knack, gra- dear Mr. H. It's just a knack. <laughs> right, for the fifth time. <laughs> Nikki arrives in a grassy area ahead of a bright pink archway leading into the castle grounds. These are the ruins of Dungarth, also known as Castle Acre Priory in Norfolk. Before Nikki can go any further, though. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. who goes there? It's one of them horny, uh, uh, dungo fingies. <laughs> well, nobody gets by when Fertilla the Hun. He's on guard. Right, now you just watch it and not one step forward or I'll blip you and then I'll blop you. Right, now then, give us what you've got or get out of here. Oh, well, if Nikki has anything valuable, this is where she loses it. Maybe he drank slightly too much uh, spellcasting. Once again, we get the horribly uh, suggestive use of the term the horny dungeon thingy, which would be a wonderful name for another of your beers. Um, we do have a WhatsApp chat. I do rather dread to think what extra ingredients you'll be adding to uh, create horny dungeon yeah. thingy. But, no uh, thingies were put in this beer. Yeah, no, no yeah. fingies were harmed in the making of this beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a WhatsApp chat with lots of interesting name suggestions that's kind of spiralling out of control. This will not be helping. No. Not be helping. <laughs> but it would be quite interesting for some of our more elderly drinkers to order a horny dunger thingy when they go up to the bar. Nicky offers the gold bar and Fertilla takes it. He looks at what else she has and laments that small is no good for him as he takes a large. Nobody likes a braggart, Fertilla. He lets her through the archway completely to himself about the slim loot as he walks off. Nicky heads through the archway onto the next passive path. Why does he say he'd better let Nicky through? He accepted a bribe. Mum would be furious. He's gone. Where am I? Nicky, you're in a big stone room. Looks like there's one door. Um, small. It's very small. Small door. So they arrive in a nondescript castle room. Thankfully, it's somewhere we, I don't think we've ever seen before. So at least it's something different for once. But it is pretty bland and nondescript. The only exit is this tiny door in front of her that she can't possibly fit through at her current size. Oh, I wonder what the solution will be here, said absolutely no one who has ever watched this episode of Nightmare. Should we look in the Yeah. Um, Nikki? Yeah. We'll have to use the bottle, small get through the door. Yeah. I should tell you to open the bottle. Yeah, open the the bottle. Ah. There's a soft light flickering over there. Nikki uncorks the bottle and we see a magical star effect. Yeah, am I Nikki the disappears? only one, could just say here, am I the only one who feels slightly uncomfortable about where those stars seem to be emanating from? from... Where do they seem to be emanating from, Martin? <sighs> Is there a nice way of putting this? Uh, it seems to be coming they're out coming of... They're coming from well, her knapsack. Oh, right, they're coming from her knapsack. Okay, that, that's believable. Is that what we call it now? Yes, it's coming out of her knapsack. Nikki disappears and then reappears at a much smaller size that is perfect for fitting through the door. And the team guide her out. Strange that she also appears to have moved about ten paces nearer. Walk forward. 
Um, Nikki, you're in a room. You've just come out of a sort of fireplace and there's well, a big joker well, well. above you. I've heard that small is beautiful, but this is ridiculous. I do believe it's an imp. What's your name then, Titch? No, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. It's impossible, isn't it? Impossible, do you get it? <laughs> no, wait a bit, wait a bit. How about implausible? <laughs> oh, anyway. What do you want? She emerges on the other side of the wall in a fireplace room, which again is a new place, and she appears very, very small there. As if things aren't bad enough that she's massively undersized, Motley is here as well. And I just have to say this, Motley is never funny. He's certainly never funny in season four in particular. And this is just about his worst scene in all of season four. No one else is laughing. It's just him. No one's being polite and going, oh, ha. This scene actually makes me miss Casper the Key. It's that bad. I wouldn't go that far, but it wouldn't hurt any worse if it was Casper the Key. <laughs> Thankfully. The bells, master, the bells! Uh, no, Pickle, you're a half-wit elf, not a demented hunchback. Look, don't panic. It's just a spot of temporal disruption. See? They're not panicking. In fact, they're not doing anything. Well, what about the other lot? Them, they don't like it either. Well, of course they don't. They're here for a constant diet of danger, comedy and vicarious thrills. Don't worry. Normal service will be resumed at the usual time. In fact, you can bet your life on it. Why not? Others do. Never has the term saved by the bell been more literally true than it is at this moment. <laughs> I'm going to be fair. I actually say this is probably one of the better episodes in a while. <laughs> what that says about the previous ones, I, I don't know. We've got some different locations, even if they are bland locations. Yeah. It's still not something you want to sit through more than once in a while. But, you know, we do thankfully get a change of scene in parts near the end of level one. All right, they're a bit lifeless and lacking features and still have way too much purple wash. But at least it's something different because that's definitely not been happening so far in season four. The team are possibly the least intelligent we've had this year, but in their, in fairness to them, they're not bad at manoeuvring and they don't differ quite as much as Alistair's lot, say. The episode is saved, in my opinion, by Michael Kuehl being his most Michael Kuehliness at this point. Yeah, the scene with Mason and brother silence. Pretty ace scene. Also, pretty obvious when rolling up the bone in the cloth that he was going to use it to wallop him around the head. I guess lack of peripheral vision in Brother Silence. I think that made it funny. Yeah, it did actually. Tom, other than the uh, Brother May scene, do you have a particular highlight for the episode? Uh, yeah, it's obviously the stepping onto the wheel, isn't it? Or the rotating floor. The way that we suddenly got that religious moment when they <laughs> missed the wheel completely. And, yeah. Oh God! So, as it's uh, time to dismiss the episode, I suppose it's also time we uh, tried the dismiss beer. So this beer is literally called dismiss or is it D-I-S-M-I-S-S? It depends how much time you've got, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's spelled, yeah, dismiss. You wouldn't imagine people going up to the bar and asking for it in long form. We made a West Coast pale ale, so... I actually jumped out of my skin when I first read it because I thought it said 45%. No, 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 4.5. It gave us the opportunity to say, ooh, Westy, which is <laughs> the old names. Uh, well, it's what people call West Coast pales, so or West Coast IPAs. 
So it's, yeah, he gave us the chance to do that. Still better than Motley's puns, I think. So the description says this is an easy drinking pale with is that Simcoe? Simcoe, yeah, Simcoe, Azaka, and Equinox. And invigorates your life force energy with elements of bright citrus and papaya. Dismiss at your own peril. So a bit clearer, this one. More sort of beer-coloured beer. Soft, easy drinking again. Maybe not as popular as the blue one, but for people that go to the pub and want beer, it probably is more popular. If that makes sense, less less yeah. of a novelty beer, really. It's more of a, just more quite traditional. So the first thing that hits me as I'm pouring it is it's got quite a sweet smell. Yeah. Yes, it. it's quite pungent again. This one, um, yeah. it's, uh, it's it sort of smells to me like an alcoholic lilt. That's not the worst thing, I don't think. You can definitely taste the papaya in yeah. there and the citrus. Or oh, you can taste the beer a lot more with this one as well. You can taste the beer yeah. a lot more. It's, it's more yeah. traditional. Yeah. It's a lot more poppy. Yeah. Yes, I'm not so fond of this one. Uh, no, that's fair. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely more of an ordinary beer. Never had a taste for ordinary beer. I am very fond of this one. I say I am fond of beer. So yeah. Well, we're trying to appeal to uh, obviously different markets. Yeah, you got to understand. Um, two of them I've really liked, and given I'm not a beer drinker at all, that's actually quite some achievement to have. But yeah, this one's definitely not for me. It's pretty. Good that we are making beer, though. Not just all gimmicks. Obviously, if you're trying to make beer and engine oil comes out the other end, we don't, mm, yeah. something has gone wrong. Yeah. Uh, so in some respects, you could argue this is the one that's least gone wrong. Mm. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. As a beer drinker, I very much like this one, actually. Okay. But I can only give that one a four out of ten. That's absolutely fine. It's, it is on reflection of the fact that I'm somebody who just doesn't drink beer. If anything, that's probably better than you giving it a high score. It means it's achieved what we wanted to achieve with it. But the other ones I like, so uh, I'll be having them. I would say 8 out of 10 for that one. Oh, really? That's nice. Again, as a beer drinker. So, there we go. I don't know if I can actually focus on the screen enough now to do the credits. <laughs> Where can people find Neon Raptor product? In bars and bottle shops uh, up and down the country, but easiest place is from www.neonraptorbrewingco.com where we've got an online shop and we all send stuff out with sort of next day delivery as long as you order before the cut-off time. So that's got the Nightmare beers and all the other beers that we do have, core range and other specials and merch, various things. We also have a tap room, which is next to the brewery in the centre of Nottingham in Stenton Market, and that's open Thursday to Sunday. And you can follow us on X, Twitter, or whatever elongated muskrat is calling his personal vanity site by the time this goes out. We're at Nightmare Pod. If you're on Mastodon, you can find us on topspicy.social forward slash at Nightmare Pod. We set up the Masto account after this episode was recorded and I forgot to record an insert. And once again, I'm editing at nearly 3 a.m. So I'm afraid it's text to speech again. If you want to support the podcast, we're Nightmare Pod on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, here to shout out to keepers of the book requests, David N. Rabbit, Paul McIntosh, Peter Pulsford, and Scott Evans. With advisors Benjamin Bloom, David Thompson, and Peter Sidorn. And Dungeoneer Peter Courage. Support us on Patreon at Dungeoneer level or above to get your name mentioned on the podcast. High level perks also receive merchandise, have access to exclusive episodes, and if you pledge as a keeper of the book requests, we'll even offer you the chance to be a guest on the podcast. Our website is nightmarepods.co.uk. If you're looking for temporal discussion merchandise, including t-shirts, stickers, and other products, it's at nightmarepod.redbubble.com. You can email us at podcast at nightmarepod.co.uk and just keep telling yourself. It's only a podcast, isn't it?
Please drink responsibly. 